we can spend a lot of time talking about finances. So what we want to just kind of do is an overview of the subject that's found in the book of Proverbs. And there's three questions that we need to ask ourselves. Number one is, why do you want it? Why do you want it? The second question we're going to ask is, how did you get it? And the third one is, what are you going to do with it if you do get it? And uh, basically, those three questions are answered in the book of Proverbs. Why do you want it? A couple of years ago, I sat down with a friend who wanted my uh, advice on something. We were sitting down and we were discussing it as a business matter. And he wanted to build a, um, a six-unit apartment complex. And uh, was asking what I thought. So we went down through and he showed me the spreadsheet and we were looking at all the numbers. And uh, I said, well, why, why do you want to do that? And he said, well, the way I, I figure, and if you can look at these numbers and see if I've missed anything, but take a look at this, if, I, if, I, if everything goes right, I should be able to make a couple hundred thousand dollars. Okay? So looked at it and said, well, okay, well, all the numbers look good, but let me ask you a question. Why do you want the money? And he looked at me like a lot of you are looking at me. <laughs> that was the dumbest question that anybody's ever asked him in his life. But I was serious about it. I said, why do you want the money? And he looked at me and he still couldn't figure out. I don't even think to this day he has a clue what I was getting at. But the point was real simple. Why do you want the money? And he's like, well, because I can make $200,000. All right, so what? Why do you want it? Uh, are you nuts? I mean, basically, that's what his attitude was. I mean, you nuts or something? Why wouldn't somebody want $200,000? See, but that's not enough. God doesn't stop the questioning at that point. He says, why do you want it? You want $200,000? Well, why do you want it? And so he goes through and he begins to address in this particular passage, and in the book of Proverbs, he deals with several things. And that's what we'll look at. Why do you want it? Ask yourself the question. Oh, you know, if I won the lottery, oh boy, then all my money problems would be solved. Well, why do you want it? Oh, if I only had a raise, man, if I only had a raise and made a little bit more money, if I just made, you know, I had a raise, if I only got that bonus, you know, this, oh man, if I got a bonus, well, why do you want it? I mean, really, why do you want it? And it's so foreign to our thinking and our society and our culture to ask a question like that, you would think that it was almost like heresy or something. You know, what do you mean? In a capitalistic society, you would ask, why would somebody want more? Well, Sure. Because God asked it, I guess we could ask it as well. So if you've got your Bible, turn to the book of Proverbs. Look at Proverbs 15, verses 16 and 17. Ask yourself the question, why do I want it? Proverbs 15, 16 and 17. He says, better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and turmoil with it. Better is a ditch, dish of vegetables where love is than the fattened ox and hatred with it. Proverbs 16, 8. Better is a little with righteousness than great income with injustice. 17, 1. Better is a dry mor morsel and quietness with it than a house full of feasting with strife. You see the contrast that God uses again in the book of Proverbs? He's saying that, you know what? So many of us want more, but at what price do we want more? See, because it's really a matter, it's a, real, it's a question of our value system. It's a question of values. We all want more, but really, what's, more, what's important to us? 
So many of us think if we had more money, if we had more things, it would be so much better for us. But God is saying, you know what? It's, it's really an indication of our value system. What do you value most? You value things more than righteousness, for example, right living. What is your value system? If money is so important to you, what will you do to get it? Will you do what's wrong before God to accumulate more material things? See, it's really a value system, isn't it? Have you ever been in a house where there was plenty and absolutely no love and misery? I mean, I've, been in, I've been in some houses that were gorgeous houses, multi-million dollar type of estates. And I, I remember specifically one place that the, the guy was worth $38 million. He was 34 years old. Beautiful house, gorgeous house. It was an old classic estate. One day we were down there, there was so much tension and turmoil and strife and anger and resentment and bitterness. There were drug problems, there was alcohol problems, there was abuse, there was divorce, there was dissension. It was the most miserable place I'd ever been for a beautiful house, beautiful surroundings. God's saying that, you know, so many of us, we want more things, but we don't realize what we really have. He's saying it's a matter of our value system. The second thing that he talks about, it's a matter of priorities. What's important to us? Proverbs 10.22. Proverbs 10.22. It says, it's the blessing of the Lord that makes rich, and he adds no sorrow to it. Proverbs 11.4. Riches do not profit in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. Jesus said the same thing in Matthew where he said that, you know, it's interesting. He says, what would it profit a man or a woman to gain the whole world, to get everything they want materially, and yet to lose their soul? How foolish it is to have a whole bunch of stuff and yet not be right before God. See, it becomes a matter of priorities. There are some people that are so busy in their search and their quest for more money and more things, they don't have time to deal with the priority issues of life. And that is, hey, who made you? Why are you here? What purpose do you have? And you're going to die, and what happens to you when you're dead? But you know what? So many people are living in the fast lane, man. They're just trying to accumulate wealth. They're trying to accumulate power. They're trying to accumulate things, and it's all this stuff. And you know what? Their priority system's all whacked out. Greatest priority is just more stuff and more money and more things. Not being right with God. Not considering their relationship with God. Not considering their end destiny and one day that they'll face a God who created them and they'll be judged on how they responded to who this God is during their lifetime. No, see, their priority system is all screwed up because it's a problem of money. It's got them kind of sidetracked from the real issues of life. And we didn't understand that. You know, another problem that we have with money is that it, be, it begins to be a matter of a question of our security. Let's face it. How many of you believe or really think that you're much more secure with money in the bank? I mean, stop and ask yourself a serious question. Man, I know people, it's like, you know, if I just had a little bit more in savings, then everything would be okay. Just had a little bit more money, then everything would be fine. If I just had more money in my pocket, then it would be good. If I just had more money in that checkbook balance... Maybe it would balance. You know? That'd be great. And it becomes a question of security. But l listen to what God has to say about money as a source of our security. Proverbs 11:28 says, He who trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish like a green leaf. Trust in your riches, you're foolish people. 1 Timothy 6 says, you know, don't, Get deceived and trust in the deceitfulness of riches, which are here one day and they're gone the next. 
Man, I'll tell you what, a whole bunch of stuff can happen in your life to just take away every bit of security that you have in the amount of money that you've got in the bank. All it takes is one illness. All it takes is one catastrophe in business. All it takes is one project in construction like I'm in. One job and you can go under in a minute. All it takes is one bad thing to happen in the course of life. And all the trust that you put in your riches is flushed down the toilet of life. And then what are you leaning on? And if you don't think you're leaning on money, then the only way you'll find out is when it's all gone. Then you'll find out where your trust really is. See, the psalmist says, you know what? I look back over my life and I trust in the Lord because I've never seen God's people go without. I've seen God's people always God has taken care of them. Matthew chapter 6, same thing. Look up the air, folks. Look at the birds of the sky and the lilies of the field. Aren't you much more valuable than they, God says. God takes care of them. They don't know where they reap. They don't know where they're going to sow. They don't know where the next worm's coming from. But it's out there. God takes care of it. But they don't sit on a branch and wait for it to fall in their mouth either. You know? They're out looking for them. But they're there. And that's a whole different subject we'll talk about sometime when it has to do with the problem of laziness in our society. Why America doesn't work anymore. And the problem of no work ethic. And we need to work again. We need to get out there. And we need to start doing things again. It's a, you know, hey, you know what? Easy Street's over, folks. It's time that we learn some principles from the Word of God. That's a different subject. I'm getting sidetracked. But security? Where's your security? Ah, if I only won the lottery. See, that's, that's what, really what it is, isn't it? If I only won the lottery, then I can trust in my money. Then I don't have to kiss anybody's butt at work anymore. Then I don't have to put up with all this stuff. Then I don't have to listen to you. Then I can do what I want to do. And it's kind of like, what are we trusting in? money we need to trust in the lord we need to trust in the lord that's what it's all about he provides he's the one that makes it possible to gain wealth anyway he's the one that gives you brains he's the one that gives you a job he's the one that gives you physical ability he's the one that gives you everything you have what do you have that god hasn't given to you first corinthians 4 7 you don't have anything on your own it all comes from the hand of god he's a source of everything so where's your trust in him or in money see that's a major problem with money in our society think you have more of it than you than you can trust in it that's crazy all it takes you know it's so funny trust in government saving funds trust in this bank trust in that savings and loan <laughs> just kidding uh, you know but i mean these are things that we've all thought at sometimes trust in this corporation boy this company's been in business 40 years 50 years 60 years and it's not in business anymore whoa i talked to a guy who was a vice senior vice president for security pacific bank we were out doing a, a job and uh, senior vice president, Security Pacific Bank, 26 years. Man, he was in a fat city, you know. And I went and I was bidding on a job. It was a high-rise down in Costa Mesa. And they had this whole floor. And I was walking through the 10th floor. And uh, it was before the work all started. And there was all these empty offices with all these name tags still on the door. Joe so-and-so, senior vice president. So-and-so, senior vice president. So-and-so, regional manager. So-and-so, regional director. Hey, they had this neat auction, man. They sold off all this furniture because they didn't need them because so-and-so wasn't there. One of the so-and-sos was opening a yogurt shop in Imperial and La Palma. And tell them I sent you, and I think I'll get a free yogurt. <laughs> no, just, but, but, but he was over there opening a yogurt shop. Why? Because they didn't need him anymore. Senior vice president. Mucky muck. Suit. You know what I mean? Didn't need him anymore. Why not? They didn't. Oh, man, some of us putting our trust in titles and in positions, and we got parking spaces and little bumper things with our name on it. And it's so cool, you know. And that's all neat stuff. 
But as soon as you start trusting in it, it's gone. It's like a vapor. And then we're going to fall back on. They fall back on booze. They fall back on drugs. Some people kill themselves. See, you know what? The only person that we can trust is the Lord Jesus Christ. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, man. Don't lean on your own understanding. You keep acknowledging him in all your ways, and he'll make your path straight. Stop trusting in money, because it ain't doing it. And the last thing is, you know what? Some of us want money. Look it up yourself. What? I did all the work, man. It's right here in front of you. Some of you could take your Bibles home and read it sometime. You know, look it up yourself. Greed. Why do you want it? I want more. Why do you want more? Because I don't got enough. Why don't you have enough? Because I don't recognize I have enough. Why do you want more? Because you have more. And I want more because you have it and you don't deserve it because you're not that bright and I'm smarter than you. Hallelujah. Amen. Isn't that true? And we look at other people and we say, well, I want more because they got more. And that's the way it works. I'm really content until I go to somebody's house that has more things. Go to your house, you got a big screen TV, I think I'll just about kill you for it. You know? But my TV's fine, so I see your big TV. And after all, I work at the Rams, so I think it should be a tax deduction. <laughs> but it's greed, it's all it is, it's greed. We want more stuff because everyone else, we think they have more, so we want more. We want more money in our job because somebody we find out makes more than we do, so we want more. We're worth more. And we hear it all the time, we see it all the time, and we all hate it when we read about it in the paper when it comes to athletes and entertainers and things like that. But the only difference is, is that they're decimal places in a different place, but you've got the same stupid problem. Whether it's a buck an hour more or it's $100,000 more over a two-year contract, whatever, it doesn't make any difference. The root problem's the same. See, we're dealing with the symptoms again. And the root problem is, why do you want it? Because we're greedy people. Because we just don't have enough. And you know what it does? It robs the joy of what God has given you and what you do have. At the expense of what you have, you're looking for what you don't. And you miss everything. We need to just stop today. Talk about Thanksgiving. We need to stop today. And we need to give God praise and glory and thanksgiving for everything that he's given us. And stop dwelling on what we don't have. And stop looking at what we do. That's important. Because that answers the question of why do we want it. Now the second problem that God deals with is, how did we get it? You know, God is very concerned with how you get it. Very concerned with that. And uh, as we go through this, I think you're going to see that there's a good reason to be concerned. Because some of us are kind of like the farmer watering the street at night. You know, we're getting it in ways that are not pleasing to God. And we'd be better off without it and do what's right before God than with it doing what's wrong. And so he goes down through and he asks some questions. Number one is the questions of inheritance. Did you get it because somebody else gave it to you? Now, there's nothing wrong with an inheritance. Uh, I'll never know. <laughs> whether that's true or not, but some of you do, some of you know. You know, there's nothing wrong with an inheritance. The problem is, is that, you know, some of us are like, you know, praying the old man goes to be with the Lord real soon. You know, because after all, wouldn't it be better for him, you know, far be greater for him to be with the Lord and leave his money with us. You know, uh, and, and there's a problem with inheritance. God says that the problem with inheritance is very simple. In Deuteronomy 8, he warns the people of Israel. He said, listen, when I give you what you're about to take, 
the land that you're about to possess. And you live in cities that you didn't build, and you're going to drink from vineyards which you didn't plant. And when you have all these things handed to you, the danger is going to be, number one, that you forget where it came from. There's a big danger with an inheritance. The second danger is that you don't know what it takes to work hard to get what your parents or grandparents, what they had, what they saved, what they denied themselves, so they can leave you an inheritance. And then you go and blow it all. Talk about pointing a gun at one of your kids' heads or your grandchildren that hasn't shown any responsibility in their life is to give them an inheritance? What are you, crazy? What, don't you love them? Don't you care for them? Oh, yes, I do. That's why I'm going to give them all this money. No, you don't. You're going to kill them with it. Be the greatest thing in the world to sit in on a reading of a will saying, Dear so-and-so, I love you so much, I'm not giving you anything. Now, there's going to be a real open-armed reception to that kind of thing. Oh, thank you. It's like, you know, nobody wants to hear that. But it's true. Some of the laziest people I met were people that have been handed things all their life. And they keep getting them handed to them because the people that are handing them to them now feel guilty that they haven't instilled a work ethic in their kids and now they can't go out and make a living for themselves. Now they're stuck supporting them for the rest of their life. Stop giving your kids stuff. All problem money. Any kid you ask them, what's the problem? I just don't have enough money. Gimme, 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 gimme. And I say, work, 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 work. Work for me, it'll work for you. Work's good. And they look at you like, cheapskate. Isn't that true? That's what they think, right? Cheapskate, tightwad. So what? No, no, yourself. Go work. Get a job. Go out and enter the real world. You know what I mean? You know, we don't have a generation. We got, we, we have a, we've lost a generation that knows how to work. It's the, most, it's the saddest thing in the world to stand in a chapel and see a guy who was drafted a number two draft pick that has no work ethic, and he probably won't be on the team next year, and everybody knows it but him. And to send him aside and say, listen, let me just give you a little word of advice from the word of God. You better develop a work ethic, or poverty will be on you like a robber in a, in, at nighttime in a parking lot of a mall. Well, I just kind of updated a little bit, okay? <laughs> you know, it's the same principle. Got to make it relevant to some degree, you know? And now it's like, he's, now he's afraid to go to malls, but that's all right. <laughs> you know, he's still missing it, you know what I mean? But it's inheritance, you know? Think about it. Hey, think about the prodigal son. What was his problem? I want my inheritance. I want it now. What did he do with it? He went out and he blew it. He partied fast living, you know, all that went along with it. Party, women, this, that, the other thing. And he ended up eating pig mud. Slop him with the mud, with the pigs. And then he came to his senses and realized, you know what, man, I wasn't in a position to handle what he was given. Don't do that to your kids. Don't do that to your grandchildren. Every kid and grandchild on the face of the earth will now hate me for this. But one day they'll appreciate it. You're <laughs> right. Number two, how did you get it? Hey, how about a bribe? How about a bribe? Look at it. Proverbs 15:27. Say, oh, I mean, you know, like a bribe. I mean, yeah, I wouldn't take a bribe. Oh, yeah, okay. Proverbs 17:23. Oh, not me. I wouldn't take a bribe. What do you call it then? See, it's just a matter of defining it. Proverbs 17:23. A wicked man receives a bribe from the bosom to pervert the ways of justice. How did you get it? How did you get the money? Man, I'll tell you what. We're reading a whole bunch about that anymore, aren't we? A whole bunch of creative people in the financial world. A whole bunch of them. 
know, it's just all special the other night on lobbyists in Washington. They don't call it a bribe. They call it business. This is business. I'm representing a business. See, what I do is I take all the information that I have, and then I sell it against our own country. That's business. That's not a bribe. That's free enterprise. That's capitalism at its best. What do you call it? I deal with purchasing agents all the time. They never call it a bribe. They call it, you know, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. You know? In a position like that, you better be real careful. That's why companies have to have policies on gift giving and integrity and ethics to determine what goes over the line. Because if you left it to the individual, nothing would go over the line. I had a guy that we did business with for a long time. One day he came to me at lunch and he said, listen, you know, if anybody asks you, you had a great time at Catalina this weekend. I didn't go to Catalina. Oh, wink, wink. Oh, okay. Well, then you know what? If anyone asks me, we're going to have a great time next weekend, aren't we? Thank you very much. So free up that calendar, buddy. Looks like we're going to Catalina. You know, but we don't call it that. But God does. See, do you take something because of a position that you have for your own personal benefit at the expense of the company that you represent? Call it anything you want. God calls it a bribe. He calls it a payoff, payola, kickback. That's what he calls it. You're taking something that's not yours to give. That's a dangerous thing to get in the habit of because you can never determine what that line really is. How'd you get your money? Somebody give it to you? Let me tell you something, too, about inheritance. Just because somebody gave it to you doesn't mean you're better than anybody else because you didn't do anything for it anyway, so stop walking around like you own the world. Old money is disgusting. Old money is disgusting because it creates a sense of arrogance and obnoxiousness that doesn't go along with people who busted their butt and worked hard and God blessed them for their efforts because they know the price they paid. But people that are handed things, they get this attitude, this pompous attitude of arrogance. It's like, what makes you think that you're better than anybody else? You didn't even work for this. Somebody gave it to you. A bribe? You take a bribe? How do you get the money that you have? How about the third thing he questions? Do you borrow? Proverbs 22, 7 says this, the borrower becomes a slave to the lender. God is very concerned about how we get money. If you have to borrow money, if you have to borrow money to have the things that you have, he says you're better off not borrowing it at all. You're better off not buying what you bought because then you become a slave to the lender and we need to be slaves or servants to God. See what I mean? When you borrow from somebody else, you become their servant, whether you know it or not. You owe the bank, you owe your folks, you owe your friends, you owe somebody else, and then you become subject to their guidelines for payment and a whole bunch of other stuff. So what God says is, you know what? If you have to borrow it to buy it, you better think real hard about whether you should borrow it at all. Because maybe the reason that God hasn't given you the resources to get it is that he does not want you to have it. Now, I'm not saying all borrowing is a sin before God. All I'm saying is that we better be very careful about what we borrow and what it's for and why do we want it and how are we going to get it. Because here's what I've seen. 
If you don't borrow to hurry up and expedite something that you want, two things usually happen. If you work to save for it, you'll determine that after you save and you have enough, that you really don't want that anymore because it took too long to save and to work for it. And there was other things that would be better used with the resources you now have. And number two is, you deny God any opportunity of meeting that need in a miraculous way as he's so good at doing. Credit cards. Want it now. Want it now. Got to have it now. I want what my folks had, and I want it now. Even if it took them 30 years, I want it now. And I can do it because I can afford the monthly payment. And then we become a slave to a lender for all of our life. God cares a lot about how we get money. Did you steal it? Did you steal it? Proverbs 13, 11. You know, you've got to ask yourself a question. Am I stealing it to get it? Wealth obtained by fraud dwindles, but the one who gathers by labor increases it. Hey, you know what he said in Ephesians? Paul said this. Look, let him who steals steal no more, but let him go out and work for a living. Let him labor with their own hands. Let them stop stealing from people. They stop and think, well, I haven't robbed a 7-Eleven lately. Well, how do you steal? Man, there's a lot of ways to steal. Let me ask you something. In your job, do you give your best all the time? We're working on a job this week. There was 12 electricians on this job because they were late and they were, they were missing a deadline. Started off, two, of, them, two of, uh, of the 12 weren't working at like 6 in the morning. By 7.30, four of the 12 weren't working. By 10, seven of the 12 weren't working. And by 1 o'clock, only 2 out of 12 were working. All the rest were sitting around talking to each other and, and just goofing off. And I was sitting there thinking, man, here's 10 guys that are being paid to be here to do a job, and they're not doing a job because their boss isn't here to watch what they're doing, and it's costing that guy a fortune. And I thought, you know what? They're stealing money from their company. There's no other way to get around it. Hey, how are you stealing? Are you giving 100% effort every day you go to work? You're stealing from your company. Stealing office supplies? Oh, it's just a pen? It's just a gross of pens? It's just a copy machine? <laughs> Got a couple of them anyway. You know, it's a typewriter. What did you steal? There's a whole bunch of ways to steal. Sitting on the phone all day making personal phone calls at your office is stealing from your boss, whether you know it or not. It is. Are you working? No. What are you doing? I'm stealing time, and I'm also on the phone, and they can pay the bill. There's a whole bunch of ways to steal. And we've become a nation that's figuring them all out. Theft in retail stores is atrocious. Theft in the construction business is astronomical. There's a whole bunch of ways to steal. And what's sad is God's people have developed the same mentality. We're no different than the world we live in. Gosh, you know, that's kind of scary, isn't it? Hey, you know what? Let's go back to the basics. Paul said, let him who steals, steal. Oh. Don't steal anymore. I don't care if it's a paper clip. If it's a pen. If it's copies on the copy machine. Whatever it is, stop doing it. And God says, he'll honor you for your labor. That's good stuff, man. God cares how you get it. Hey, you take advantage of others, take advantage of poor. Man, you see it happen all the time. You know, hey, that's this, you know, the entrepreneurial spirit of our country. You know, take advantage of the little people. Climb all over their dead carcasses all the way to the top and you can make a fortune. 
You take care of people around you. You take advantage of people to have more stuff yourself. You look it up. You come to some conclusions based on what God has to say. I'm convinced that what he says is right. We need to stop taking advantage of people for our own benefit. We need to treat people fairly. We need to treat people with dignity and respect. We need to respect all people, no matter of what racial background we are, no matter of what economic background we come from. We need to treat people with respect and dignity, knowing that every person on the face of the earth was created in the image and likeness of God. And there's every person on the face of the earth that Jesus Christ died for, and he loved them just as much as he loved you. We need to start showing respect to one another. And it starts in an area like this because there's no more accurate barometer of our spiritual condition than what we'll do for money and how we treat other people. How do you get it? Hey, there ain't nothing that'll substitute for working hard. Nothing. It is the only thing that God honors. Colossians 3 says, Let us work heartily as under the Lord, not serving men, not trying to please one another, but pleasing God, for it's the Lord God who created us, and it's the Lord God that we serve. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. Is that what you're all about? See, the challenge is, that's what God says we should be. We need to become that type of person. Now, the question is, what do you intend to do with it? This goes back, and we'll wrap it all up on this, because the real issue is, what do you intend to do with it? That goes back to the conversation with my friend. Okay, you're going to get $200,000. That's great. Hallelujah. That'd be wonderful. Only if you have a plan with what to do with it. Okay? Number one, provide for your family. Provide for your family. Hey, if you're going to go work hard, then hey, there's nothing wrong with that. Go work hard. And if God blesses you with resources, then the first priority you have is, is to provide for your family. And, a, and, and I say the immediate family because we run into all kinds of problems here. Let me just tell you something, the dynamics of a family according to the Bible. When a man leaves his father and his mother and he cleaves to his wife and the two become one flesh, they form a family. At that point, the relationship that had existed is now changed into a new dynamics according to God. The immediate family and my immediate responsibility is to take care of my wife and my children. That's my responsibility according to God. Now, if I can help my extended family my parents, my brother, my sister, whatever, if I can help them and we can help her family and be able to do it and be in agreement on it, then, hey, that's great too. We should do that. Do you understand? But we need to keep that dynamic intact because nothing will destroy a family quicker than one or the other in a family using the resources that one or the other has to meet the needs of somebody else outside of their family without taking care of your own family first. You see, the greatest testimony to my children is to see that I work hard to provide for them and not deny them for the purpose of giving to other people. And, it, and, it needs, and they need to understand that. They need to understand that there's no one I love more than them except for the Lord. They need to understand that I care for them and I want to take care of them. And whatever resources are available, I'm going to do it. Now, they may be confused in understanding how I'm going to go about that and they may think I should give them something when I'm not going to. And that, that's, you know, I, you know, we've already discussed that but they need to not be mistaken at all that I care for them and they come first before anybody else on the face of the earth. So if I am going to be blessed by God for working, my first priority is to take care of my family. And it's a tragedy and it's a sin before God when a man does not care for his own family by doing things 
that are beneficial maybe just to him. And that's where hobbies come in. That's where all kind of other stuff comes in. That's where habits come in. That's where alcohol, drugs, uh, other habits come in. That's where gambling habits come in. Anything that takes the resources that God has blessed us with to deny meeting our, our primary responsibility is wrong before God. Secondly, we should also use it to pay our debts. Pay your debts. You got debts and you have financial resources available to you, then get out of debt. But you know what happens? Most of us don't want to get out of debt because if we have finances available to us and we have money in the bank, we'd rather trust the money in the bank than in the Lord and doing what's right by paying off our debts. And not only that, but if we have money available to us, we can get in more debt. Hey! Isn't that neat? And so what we do is we owe people money, we don't pay them. The first thing you've got to do if you're running a business and cash comes into your business is pay your employee's salary and pay off all your creditors according to the terms and arrangements that you have already agreed upon. You need to do that. Because you know what happens is, if you do those two things first, whatever is left is all you have to live off of. And guess what it'll, have you, it'll make you do? It'll make you either work harder or lower your standard of living. Uh, isn't it, this is so deep, isn't it? Man, it's so simple that no one does it. If you meet all your obligations first, then you don't have to worry about all the rest that goes along with it. But man, I'll tell you what, I've heard story after story of businesses that have gone out of business because the principals have made all this money, they got the boat, they got the cars, they got the fancy this, they go out all the time, they're going on vacation, they're doing this, they got the house, they got the second house. And you know what? And all it is in there is because all they've done is steal all that they could steal from anybody that would loan them any money in the form of materials or money or whatever, and then they don't pay their bills. Then they just go, oh, I think I'll file chapter 11. Oh, no, let's file chapter 7. That's even better. And then they walk away from all of it. And as a Christian, they destroy the testimony of the Christian community. You going to get some money? Then you better pay off your debts. Pay off your debts. And start living within the means that's proper before God. What are you going to do with it? Hey, we've already talked about this. Buy a couple of friends. <laughs> Hi, buy some friends. Anybody? Anybody? Well, and we've talked about this for the purpose of letting them know that you care for them, that money isn't more important than your friendship, that money isn't more important than meeting the needs of other people. And that's really what this is all about, helping other people, helping others. If you're going to have money given to you, regardless of whether it's your efforts or inheritance or God just chooses to send some your direction, no matter what it is, provide for your family, pay off your debts, Acquire friends, and the way that you do that is by helping others who are in need in times of need. I'll tell you what, if you help others who are in need, they will become your friends because they see that you care more about them than something that you could have for yourself with the money that you've chosen to give to them. It's important stuff. Nobody likes this, though, because it's selfless and not selfish. Now, we're all selfish people when they come right down to it. Sin nature is please me, 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 me. And God says, hey, you know what? You died. You died to self when you accepted Jesus Christ because it's no longer you who live, but Christ who lives within you. And Christ was selfless and gave of himself. And we have to do the same thing. Allow Jesus Christ to live through you if you're one of God's people. And the way you do it is by helping others. And number five is, and it's not, and this obviously isn't necessarily in order because the first thing that we need to do is honor the Lord from everything that he's given to us, from the first fruit of all that we have. 
the first check you should write every week is to the Lord and His work as a reminder that it's only from His hands that you're able to write that check anyway. And you talk about putting everything else in perspective. How's your tithing? How you doing? Now's a good time. Sit down and, you know what? You probably owe God some back payments, don't you? Now's a great time to sit down. This time of year when you're thinking of giving God thanks for everything he's done for you. Just bite the bullet. Say, Lord, you know what? I think maybe we just ought to cut out our Christmas budget this year. And the chunk of money that we're going to use for ourselves, we really owe it to you. And we forget that you're the source of everything that we have. You're the source of all blessing. But some of us are like the three guys. I'll close on this. Three guys, they're trying to decide how to tithe. And some of you are probably struggling with it. How do you tithe? Well, one guy says, well, you know how I do it? What we do is every week when I get my paycheck, we just go cash it and they get the cash. Okay? And we draw a big circle out in the backyard. Stand in the middle of the circle, we throw up the money, and whatever comes down in the circle, we give to the Lord, and whatever's outside the circle, we use for ourselves. Another guy was like, he couldn't believe it. He said, I can't believe you do that. We do the same thing. He said, but what we do is, whatever goes outside the circle is what we give to the Lord, and whatever lands in the circle, we keep to ourselves, but it's the same thing. Another guy said, man, you've got to be kidding me. I do the same thing. My family, we do the same thing. You know what we do? We just throw everything up in the air. Whatever stays up, he can have. Whatever comes down is ours. <laughs> and he probably won't do it today because <laughs> it's a little windy. But I don't know. I, you, know I, I, you know, think I don't know what you do, but I'll tell you what. God is real concerned with why we want it. He's real concerned with how we get it. And he's real concerned with what we're going to do with it when we do have it. And I would encourage you, I would implore you, I would beg of you to consider the principles in the Word of God because nothing will set you free quicker than honoring God with the financial resources that He has blessed you with. And nothing is more accurate of a spiritual barometer than how you handle the money that God has put into your possessions for the purpose of managing for His account so that one day, one day when you stand before Him, He can say this to you, Well done, my good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of your master. Let's pray. Father, thanks again for this opportunity to look into your word. God, I just can't, I, I just can't believe sometimes how practical, how relevant, and how convicting your word can be. God, it's obvious that you know us, you've created us, it's obvious that you know what we need to do in our lives to be pleasing to you. God, and what's even more amazing is that there's nothing that we can do to please you anymore than just receiving your Son, Jesus Christ, as our Lord and Savior. God, you say it's by your grace through faith that we're saved and not of ourselves. It's a gift from you so that none of us could ever boast about anything. God, help us to see that the resources that you give us, the ability to work, the intellect to be able to work, the physical ability to be able to get up and work every day is a blessing from your hand. God, may we stop moaning and groaning about working and looking forward to a day when we don't work, but may we go out every day and work heartily as unto the Lord, knowing that it's you who we serve, and one day we can look forward to hearing you say, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into your joy. God, we just thank you for that and praise you in Christ's name. Amen.